0: Beloved, our call to worship this evening is from Psalm 73, verse 17 and 23 through 26. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Our scripture reading for this evening is from the Gospel according to John chapter 10. We'll read verses 22 through the end. John 10, 22. And it was at Jerusalem the feast of the dedication, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long? Dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works do ye stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou being a man makest thyself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, Ye are gods? If he called them gods, unto whom the word of God came... And the Scripture cannot be broken. Say ye of him whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, Thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God? If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works, that ye may know and believe, that the Father is in me, and I in him. Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand and went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized, and there he abode. And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man were true, and many believed on him there May that be true of us this evening as we receive the Word of God that many would believe on Him this evening for the first time or afresh. Beloved, our text for this evening is from John 10, verse 28 and 29, where we read these beautiful words, "...and I give unto them eternal life." And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Together with that, we want to consider Lord's Day 1 as we begin a new catechism season. Lord's Day 1, familiar Lord's Day. You can find that on page 27 in the back of the Psalter. Question one. What is thy only comfort in life and death? That I with body and soul both in life and death am not my own. But belong unto my faithful Savior Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood hath fully satisfied for all my sins and delivered me from all the power of the devil, and so preserves me that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Yea, that all things must be subservient to my salvation. And therefore, by His Holy Spirit, He also assures me of eternal life and makes me sincerely willing and ready henceforth to live unto Him. Question two. How many things are necessary for thee to know that thou, enjoying this comfort, mayest live and die happily? Three. The first, how great my sins and miseries are. The second... How I may be delivered from all my sins and miseries. The third, how I shall express my gratitude to God for such deliverance. Well, if we study the history of the ages, we will immediately begin to understand that human beings are always looking for security. Human beings are always looking for stability, security. If we look at our own nation in the past year, the pursuit of security figures prominently in the fabric of our nation. It's reflected in the $721.5 billion spent in 2020 for the funding of the five branches of the U.S. military. We want security, don't we? And we'll spend boatloads of money to to get it. A further $100 billion is spent in the United States for policing. We want security. In 2020, more than 17 million firearms were purchased by U.S. citizens in a year of unrest. We crave personal security. This is in addition to the millions of firearms that people already own. The home security systems market in 2020 was valued at $53.6 billion. We want security for our families and for our homes. Politicians, analysts, and researchers are now speaking about global fu- f- global food security they're speaking about space security income security and even climate security everywhere there's a drive to become more secure and safer it's captured in that slogan that we heard much about during the pandemic stay home and stay safe be secure As you stay home, the inherent risk of life in a fallen world speaks to the need for human beings to have security and comfort. But if all this money, all this energy is spent on the drive to obtain security, And comfort. Where is that elusive security that humanity is seeking after? Why don't we have the security that we're looking for? We're always looking for it. We can never seem to find it. Well, our text tonight holds the key to security for humanity, for you and me tonight. It's a security that costs nothing from our side, but it far outstrips any form of earthly security that anyone can offer or anyone can buy. Beloved security tonight for body and soul in life and death is found in the double-handed grip of God. That's what we want to look at tonight, a double-handed grip, its divine anchor, its divine power, and its divine security. The security that you and I need, that we, that we crave as we see in the world around us. It's anchored not in any man. It's not anchored in any device. It's not anchored in any force. It's not anchored in any military. It's anchored in who God is. Remember that. Security for body and soul, for life and death, is anchored in who God is. Nothing else. The very fact that the Father and the Son grip believers in their grasp, in their hand, speaks to the divine origin of this security. God doesn't delegate the safekeeping of His people to a human being or a system or a world power. No, God Himself holds believers. So we need to understand what it is that anchors believers in God, in His double-handed grip of the Father and the Son. And so we understand that God Himself is our security. It proceeds from Him in eternity. And this is hard for us to understand. It's hard for us to grasp. But it's vital because we see the very foundation of our salvation is in the grace of the Father. It's implied in the text in verse 29 as Jesus speaks of the gift of The Father gave to Him. My Father which gave them Me. Which gave these sheep to Christ in eternity. It is the sheer grace of God that ensures this gift of the elect from the Father to the Son. Jesus says, My Father which gave them Me. It's the Father's grace that He's chosen any sinner to salvation. It's grace that has moved the Father To choose His own. We look at election, we look at predestination, and we we look at it and we say, that's a hard doctrine, isn't it? It seems cold and calculating that God would would choose people to salvation and reprobate others to, to damnation. Who is this God? Well, let me suggest to you tonight that that's the wrong approach to election and reprobation. We need to look at this and say it's amazing that God would choose anyone. If we look at ourselves, then we look at this statement, my Father which gave them me, undergirding that statement is grace, undeserved riches at Christ's expense to redeem sinners. This doctrine of election Is an amazing doctrine. Underneath it is the heart of God, the Father, the grace that moves Him to choose sinners to salvation in His Son. It's this electing grace, it's the Father's grace that undergirds a believer's security. The reason that you belong to Christ tonight, believer is yes, because you've heard His voice. You've heard the internal call. You've heard the voice of the shepherd calling you and you've followed Him, but undergirding that internal call, undergirding the voice of the shepherd is the grace of the Father from all eternity that He chose you, that He's given you to the Son, that the Son has has redeemed you to Himself because the Father has given you to Christ in the first place. It's the Father's grace that anchors eternal security. It's the Father's gift to the Son that anchors this eternal security. My Father, which gave them me, Jesus has received the elect as a gift from the Father. The Father and the Son in the Council of Peace have, have covenanted together in the covenant of redemption. They've covenanted, covenanted together for the, the sake of the elect in eternity. Part of the covenant of grace this covenant of redemption. In Ephesians 1.4 we read that the elect have been chosen in Christ. And so we need to understand tonight that the security of believers does not lie in the work of a man. It lies in the gift of the Father to the Son in which the Son would save the elect in which He would call them and make them His own, and they would follow Him. You are the gift, believer. You are the gift of the Father to the Son. Because of that, you are eternally secure. So you can confess tonight in the words of our catechism, I am With body and soul, both in life and death, I am not my own, but belong unto my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Undergirding that statement is the gift. You being the gift from the Father to the Son. Your sense of belonging to Christ, of security in Christ, is because you have been given by the Father to the Son. So your security... It's in the Father's grace in choosing you to salvation. It's in the Father's gift in giving you to the Son for salvation. It's seen in the Father's greatness. Jesus says in verse 29, My Father is greater than all. In securing the salvation of His own, Jesus says that the Father is greater than all. Does this mean that the Father is is greater than the Son in His being? No. Jesus says, I and my Father are one. We say that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are co equal. We just confess that in the words of the Nicene Creed. They are greater in function. The Father is greater in function. He's supreme in salvation. He has chosen believers in Christ because He has chosen believers in Christ. He is supreme. He is the architect of salvation and security. For his people. Colossians 3 3 speaks of the preeminence of the Father this way For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God the Father. You see, He's the fountainhead of all salvation, He is the architect, the planner of salvation. Paul affirms this again in Ephesians 1.3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father. He exalts God the Father. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. The Father is the fountainhead of salvation. The fountainhead of blessing. And because of that, Jesus says, He is greater than all. Greater than everything that can be conceived of. What Jesus is pointing out here is that the security of believers, the eternal security, is, is traced back to the sublime plan of salvation in the mind and the heart of God the Father. The Father is not greater in essence, but in his function within the Godhead, he is supreme in terms of planning salvation. The fountainhead, because he is greater than all, the salvation of believers is secure. And Though the Father is greater than all, as the fountainhead of salvation, Jesus points out in verse 30 that the Father and the Son are one in purpose, in the salvation, in the preservation of the saints. I and the Father are one. Some interpreters think that the greater than all refers to the gift that the Father has given to the Son. The translation would read along these lines, that which my Father has given me is more excellent than all, and no one is able to snatch it out of the hand of the Father. That's certainly an application from what we're learning here. The gift of God's people to the Son is a superlative gift, unmatched. But it's also true, isn't it, that the Father views this gift of His people to the Son as the apple of His eye, and He will guard them, and He will guarantee the preservation of this precious gift to the Son. And so what these verses point out is that salvation is anchored in who God is in the Father and His saving purposes. This two-handed grip of the Father and the Son is built on the bedrock of who, the God, of who God the Father is in His grace and gift and greatness. And so, believer, your only comfort in life and death is not built on some some shaky foundation. No, it has a divine, eternal foundation in the electing purposes of God and who God is. Let that sink in for a moment. Let the full import of that weigh down into your mind and into your heart. If there was a possibility. Of salvation being lost and your soul not being preserved, if there was the possibility of this two handed, this double handed grip not being there, then God would not be God. That's the implication of what Jesus is saying. if there was no preservation of the saints, if there was no eternal security, then God would not be God. And there would be no salvation. There would be the real possibility that we could lose salvation. But that's not what Jesus is teaching us here. Salvation is grounded in who God is. We see that salvation being worked out in the divine power of Jesus Christ as He lays His hand on His sheep in time. The Father, as it were, lays His hand on His sheep in eternity. The Son comes in the fullness of time and He lays His hand on the sheep. He calls them and they follow Him. The Son comes with divine power. It's demonstrated in the gift of eternal life. Displayed in real time in the salvation of sinners, Jesus states in verse 28, And I give unto them eternal life. The Father gives the elect to the Son. The Son gives to them eternal life that He has paid for, that He has purchased on the cross. Gripped in eternity, now gripped in life, I give unto them eternal life. Jesus speaks of the power that He comes to show in giving life to dead sheep. If you read earlier in chapter 10 of, earlier in chapter 10, you read there that Jesus has the power to lay down his own life and to take it up again in order to bring dead sheep to life. This is a divine power that's displayed as Jesus lays his hand on his sheep to bring them to salvation. I give to them, he says. We cannot give to ourselves. Jesus gives and secures on the cross and gives to sinners. He gives generously. He gives unilaterally. He gives mercifully. You know, don't you, that He doesn't give because of anything in you. But He gives because of His grace. Because of His Father's grace. John writes in his epistle, 1 John five ten through 12 He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life and this life is in his Son. And young people, you remember this next verse from a few weeks ago, from a few Sunday nights ago. He that hath the Son hath the life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. This gift of eternal life is found in the Son of God. If you have the Son, you have the life. He says here, I give. Here is divine power to give life to dead sheep. Are you a dead sheep tonight? There is life in Christ. Christ. Are you a struggling sheep, struggling to find life again in Christ? There is life in Him. Go to Him. Hear His voice tonight. I give to them eternal life. The divine power of this double-handed grip is demonstrated in the guarantee of eternal life. Jesus has the power to preserve that life. He says, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. That eternal life is possessing Christ Himself. That's all. It's possessing Christ Himself. And if you have Christ Himself, what Jesus is saying here, when you have that eternal life, you shall never perish. The original language here is emphatic in its statement that the sheep who are secured by Christ will never perish. It's a double negative here to emphasize that there is the impossibility of perishing again. There is no possibility of perishing at all. The eternal state of the sheep that have been bought by the blood of Christ can never be reversed again. That's security, isn't it? In the end, there will be no bait and switch when you stand before the judgment seat of God. where Jesus will hold you until the time that you stand there, and then He'll let you go. Jesus will not deceive the tender-hearted one tonight. The Word of God reminds you that Jesus' power will preserve you to the end. There's no possibility of Jesus letting you go. They shall never perish. He will not go back on that gift of life. It's durable because Christ is divinely powerful. The life that He gives, if He is in the li- if He is that life, it will stand up under the scrutiny of God's judgment. They will never perish. Has the idea that there will be no condemnation. If you have eternal life in the Son of God, there will be no condemnation. This is what Paul affirms, doesn't he, in Romans eight one. You have the the, the reality of Romans 7 and the battle against sin, but then immediately on the heels of that, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, to those who possess the life. There is no condemnation. They will never perish. The guarantee of eternal life and who Christ is. I belong to my faithful Savior. It's divine power, this double-handed grip, is demonstrated in the guarding of eternal life. Notice what Jesus says in verse 28 about his guarding of eternal life in the hearts of his own. He says, Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. As if that might not be enough for us tonight, he says in verse 29, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. They're held in His hand. They're held in the Father's hand, gripped there forever, guarded, secure, safe. Nothing can pluck them from the hand of the Father and of the Son. There's no discord in the Godhead when it comes to the security of Believers, both the Father and the Son, guard this eternal life in this, this double-handed grip. Parents, try picking up one of your children with one hand. Well, if they're small enough, you can maybe do it. But you know how steady it is when you, when you hold them with both hands. One hand is maybe a tenuous grip. There's the fear of letting them go. But that's not how God holds us, believer, tonight. He holds you with both hands, with the hand of the Son and the hand of the Father. Both hands. Eternal security and comfort. Guarded in the hand of God. There's nothing that will provide more of a sense of belonging and and security than to be gripped by the Father and the Son that I with body and soul both in life and death am not my own but belong unto my faithful Savior Jesus Christ. I belong to Him. Even as He holds me through the dark nights of the soul. Even as He holds me the ways of temptation. To the struggles of faith, the circumstances of life. The valley of the shadow of death. Through weakness and sickness. A double handed grip. Believer, your salvation is rock solid. Rock solid. Not because you're holding to Christ. but Because Christ holds you in His hand. And the Father holds you in His hand. I and my Father are one. Both are holding you together. This is where security is found for sinners in the double-handed grip of the Father and the Son, and nowhere else. So I ask you this question tonight. Where are you finding security? Where are you finding security? For body and soul? In life and death? There's nothing more durable nothing more powerful than the double-handed grip of God. That's where we come in our third thought tonight, the divine security that this double-handed grip gives to us. Well, as the mass of humanity looks for security, what hope can we offer them? As we live in a postmodern world that says there is no certainty regarding truth how do we speak into that world as you and I seek our own security for life and death for body and soul where do we look we need look no further than the words of Jesus In our text, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand, Jesus' hand and the Father's hand, gripping His own. These hands are gripping you, believer. Do you realize that? They are hands of grace. They are hands of power. They are the very hands of God. Maybe you're here tonight. It feels like your entire life is crumbling around you. Like there's no foundation, no rock under your feet. Here's the security of the hand of Jesus. Like Peter, sinking beneath the waves, the hand of Jesus comes and grips him and brings him back up and brings him to security in the boat. You're safe there. You can rest there. You can, can I say it this way, you can relax there because he won't relax his grip. We need to understand that this doctrine of preservation doesn't make us lax regarding our duty and our commitment to God as believers but when it comes to our eternal security it allows us to relax doesn't it to relax in the hand of God he holds you If that's not enough, He tells you that you are also in the Father's hand. A double-handed grip tonight. Let the security of this grip bear you up in in the troubles of life, in the trials of life. Does death stare you in the face? Kept. Fear not. You're in the double-handed grip of God. This fear tell you that you, won't make it, that you won't make it after all? That you've sinned too long? You've doubted too much? You've questioned God far too often? And yet you can't deny that you need Christ? He's your only hope. Fear not then. You're in the double-handed grip of God. You can't deny that you've heard His voice, but that voice has grown fainter and fainter because of doubts and unbelief. Listen to His voice again. Hear His voice again from His Word. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of My hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. The security is only in the double-handed grip of God. The security in the double-handed grip of God is against the violent seizing of darkness, the kingdom of darkness. Notice what Jesus says about the reality of being held in this double-handed grip. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Notice that man is supplied here in italics. In the original language, it's just nothing. The word nothing or no, no thing. With his hand of grace... Preserving grace upon you, nothing, no fear or foe can dislodge you from the grip of Jesus or dislodge you from the grip of the Father. No man, no power, no force, no devil can undo the grip of Jesus' hands. There are all kinds of things that will try to pluck you out of the hand of Jesus and of the Father. The word for pluck there is violent seizing of those who are Christ's sheep. You read early in the chapter of John 10, there are sheep that want to come into the fold and destroy and and tear down. But Jesus says not even those wolves can destroy and pluck you and destroy you with violence. We live in a fearful day, don't we? We see those forces flexing their muscles against the foundation of biblical truth and against those who believe it, who believe in Christ. But Jesus says, Nothing will pluck you out of My hand. Nothing will pluck you out of My Father's hand. Secure forever. Divine security. Security against the violent, seizing power of the kingdom of darkness. Jesus goes on to say this to reassure us that believers who are in the double-handed grip of God have not just one hand but two No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. There's a a slight difference in what Jesus is saying here regarding the hand of Jesus and the hand of the Father. Essentially the same, but just a different way of, of understanding it so that we get it through into our minds and hearts. In the hand of Jesus, no man shall pluck. In the Father's hand, no man is able to pluck. Both statements indicate the utter impossibility of failure in the last moment. Indicate the utter impossibility of the triumph of the devil over believers in the hour of death or temptation. No man shall and no man is able. You take both of those statements together and it speaks of utter impossibility of failure from God's perspective. Now, we feel like failures all the time. We know life in a broken world. We know life battling against the old man, and we wonder, will we make it? Who will deliver me from the body of this death? And Paul says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is, therefore, no no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No one will pluck you from the hand of the Father. No one is able to. And no one shall pluck you from the hand of Jesus. (coughs) (coughs) No, we confess... With the language of Lord's Day One, that I, with body and soul, both in life and death, am not my own, but I'm gripped by my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with His precious blood hath fully satisfied for all my sins, done away, and delivered me from all the power of the devil. Nothing. Nothing can pluck you from Jesus' hand or the Father's hand. It's this double-handed grip that Paul understood, didn't he, in Romans 8, 35-39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, gripped to all eternity by the love of God the Father from eternity, gripped by the love of the Son as He comes and saves us by His grace. Persuaded, not by my own experience, not by my own words. By the very word of Christ. No one can pluck you from the hand of Christ or the hand of the Father. Complete preservation by the double-handed grip of God. All the way till the end and into glory. Don't forget that. Lord's Day One states it this way He so preserves me that without the will of my Heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Sometimes I struggle with that concept. But I know that all the hair that's fallen from my head is within the will of the Heavenly Father. And so it's okay. But far more importantly, I'm preserved, body and soul, to eternity. Yea, that all things must be subservient to my salvation. Everything serves my salvation. He will bring you all the way home, believer, And therefore, by His Holy Spirit, He also assures me of eternal life. He assures His own of eternal life tonight through His Word. The Spirit comes alongside the Word and assures us that this is true and it's real. Even though it might seem contrary to our lived experience. In the midst of all of that, He makes me sincerely willing and ready henceforth to live unto Him. Our spiritual feet have something to stand on tonight, don't they? And so we can move forward, standing on this promise, standing on God Himself. In the context of John 10, the sheep are preserved from the wolves. who would want to destroy through false teaching. False messiahs would come. The little foxes of doubt and fear would spoil the fruit of faith. Preserves his sheep in the midst of their own falls and foolishness and unbelief and temptation towards sin. He'll preserve us all the way. Kept. 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 kept in the double-handed grip of God. Do you see it, believer? Do you see it tonight? That there is no security apart from this grip. When we look back from glory, when we look back on our lives. We we'll say, how did we ever make it? No will say it is the sheer mercy of God that preserved us. The hand of Jesus and the hand of the Father that kept us. Our eternal security comes by the sheer mercy of God. The canons of Dort are helpful here. Head 5, Article 3 says that God mercifully and powerfully preserves them are believers therein in the state of grace, even to the end, gripped by the hand of God? In Article 6 of the same head, this mercy again finds prominence. But God, who is rich in mercy, according to his unchangeable purpose of election, does not wholly withdraw the Holy Spirit from his own people, even in their melancholy falls nor suffers them to proceed so far as to lose the grace of adoption and forfeit the state of justification or to commit the sin unto death. Nor does He permit them to be totally deserted and to plunge themselves into everlasting destruction. This is the mercy of God, my friend. This is the double-handed grip of God. It's God's free mercy that preserves them, not their own merits, not your merits, not my merits, not your strength, not my strength, but the strength of the divine grip upon believers. It's the tender mercy of God that preserves His own at every twist and turn and temptation in our lives. That's security. The Apostle Peter learned this through bitter experience. He had a melancholy fall, didn't he? We relate to Peter, don't we? Listen to what he writes. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again, unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. One can only wonder if the words of Jesus from John 10 were echoing In the mind of Peter as he wrote these words, as he was restored by Jesus. Peter knew what it was to be kept, to be gripped, the double hand of God, in the lowest moment of his life, gripped by Jesus as he walked on water, gripped by Jesus again in the moments of temptation. how we need this double-handed grip, don't we? The best news of all tonight is that we don't need to find security in anything else. But the hand of Jesus and the hand of the Father is there gripping stubborn, willful, dumb sheep who think Somehow God will fail them. He's got you. He's got you, beloved. Relax in His double handed grip because He won't ever relax His grip on you. He will hold you fast he won't ever relax his grip not ever you can bank on it tonight even if you don't know him tonight you can flee to him and and be partaker of this security it's in God alone that you will find this security And if you know that security. Live within its safety. Don't move beyond it. But live there. And know. That this double handed grip of the father and the son. Will ensure an entrance into glory. Because of the father's electing grace. Because of the son's saving grace. Grace because of the Spirit's assuring grace through the Word tonight that you are kept by God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank Thee for gripping us. We'd be utterly lost without that grip. And there are still those who are lost because they think they can grip themselves. Lord, show them their poverty. Show them their lack of security. Show them Christ, the one who has come to secure salvation for sinners on the cross. Lord, as we face a week of uncertainty, We pray that our certainty would not be rooted in the things that we experience and go through in this life because there are so many ups and downs, but that our security, our certainty would be rooted in the Word of God tonight, in the Word of God throughout the week, in the character of who Thou art, that Thou wilt never let us go. That nothing can, can take us out of thy hand. For Thou wilt hold us fast. Lord, we pray that thou wilt be near to us. That thou wilt help us in everything. We need thee, O God. Come and help us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.